great seeing you, Dominic. You know, when people ask me what have I been doing in the city, I say you need to talk to Dominic Carter because you've been covering me for almost 30 years now. Nice to be with you, Dominic. I think you are really in a very, very high league. And I watch some of your competitors on, frankly, the national shows, and I say, why aren't you doing a national show? Because I really think your delivery and your questioning wow. and your brain power is really at the highest level. So that's good. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And good evening, folks. I got to tell you up front, something is not passing the smell test. I'll elaborate in just a minute when I talk live with attorney Brad Gersman about a $500 million contract to last 40 years given out in the final days of guess who? New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, $500 million, 40-year contract for a shelter for women and and those with drug addiction and mental illness given out in the final days of the de Blasio administration. Attorney Gersman is standing by to join me live momentarily. Well, good evening, folks. Here I am an hour earlier with you. And that's the way it will be from now on, on Sundays, on Sundays, the expansion of the Dominic Carter show from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. I'm so happy because it means that we can spend more time together, you and I, on the telephones. And, of course, a great thank you goes out to Margot and John Katsimatidis for making it happen. Folks, here's the bottom line, right? So I, I can't, there's certain things I can't talk about that I'm not at liberty to discuss. They have been planning the expansion of the Dominic Carter show for some time now. This has been in the works for months. And when you folks call up and you say, oh, more airtime, more airtime, the Casamitidis are on it, folks. They've been working on this plan for a while. And I'll just say this. We'll see what the future holds. We'll leave it at that. But it's completely their vision, Margot and John Katsimatidis, and they deserve all the credit. I have to start this evening. Did you see the beautiful video making the rounds on social media? A whale, a whale breaching twice close to the shore of the Verrazano Bridge. A whale, Verrazano Bridge. The two don't go together. But there's video on social media of that. Now, one good news, and then we're going to get to what doesn't pass the smell test. So here's the good news. New York City Mayor Eric Adams expected to make uh, Mr. Caban, Ed Caban, the official NYPD commissioner. He's going to make it official uh, in just a few hours on Monday. And the mayor is expected to make the announcement at the 40th Precinct Station House in the Bronx where Caban started his NYPD career in 1991. Caban is going to be New York City's first Latino police commissioner. And it's a good thing. Here's why. He's qualified for the job. So the city is going to make history with the first Latino police commissioner of New York City ever. 
and he's got the qualifications for the job. So now our live interview and what doesn't pass the smell test. The de Blasio administration is under fire tonight on a number of fronts, not just one story, but two. The first one, we are about to talk live to attorney Brad Gersman, who is representing the group, a group of New York City residents demanding a probe of a $500 million shelter approved by the de Blasio administration in the final months. A group of Manhattan residents demanding that the City Department of Investigation take a look at this $500 million contract covering 40 years. It's for a shelter for women with drug addiction and mental illness, a 200-bed shelter at 37 West 59th Street, next to a playground and a few blocks south of Lincoln Center. And it was awarded again during the final months of the de Blasio administration. Joining us right now, someone who's a major player uh, in the New York tri-state area, and that is attorney Brad Gersman. Attorney, good evening. Hey, Dominic. How are you? Great I, to hear you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Congratulations Counselor. Congratulations on the expansion of your show, my friend. Thank well you. Well deserved. Thank you. But again, all credit goes to Margot Casamitidis and John Casamitidis. But let's let's talk about this now because let's be honest with each other. You're representing this group of New Yorkers. This thing doesn't pe- pass the smell test. Tell me why. Yeah, this was this is one of those Bill de Blasio under the cover of darkness deals to his friends. Um, Project Renewal. Uh, was awarded the contract. The Hudson Company is the developer. The Hudson Company uh, was investigated by the Southern District as a pay-to-play developer uh, with Bill de Blasio. Uh, They got out of that investigation by the skin of their teeth. Um, But here we go again, and we see another uh, insider deal uh, of the highest order for $500 million, which, by the way, Dominic, $500 million in 2022 was the largest deal uh, that was that was uh, signed by New York City and the de Blasio administration. So he gives out his biggest deal, uh, which is just completely outrageous. Now think about this. The de Blasio administration gave that money out for project renewal to, A, purchase the property on West 59th Street, two, to develop the property on West 59th Street, and three, to operate uh, the shelter uh, for 200 women adjacent let me tell you this adjacent to a city playground this makes absolutely no sense whatsoever uh, on a number of fronts first of all it's it, it it the smell test like you mentioned it doesn't pass the smell test it doesn't pass any test whatsoever as far as the propriety of that deal secondly i think everybody would agree every single person would agree in new york city that a shelter should not be next to a playground or a schoolyard. That's just basic common sense that we, I believe, everyone would say, no, no, no. But the but the de Blasio administration did not care. They gave that money. If someone offered me money to find and buy a location and then paid me to develop the location and then paid me to operate the location, where's the risk? Where's the business risk in that? That is a complete complete 
ground ball for uh, Project Renewal and for the Hudson companies. So we are chatting live with attorney Brad Gersman, and something happened in the final months of the de Blasio administration in the city of New York. $500 million contract, $500 million over 40 years for a shelter, a shelter to go, as you just heard the attorney say, a near a next to a playground and a few blocks south of Lincoln Center. Now, Counselor, help me. Why why would a city administration do something like this next to a playground? You know, you're going to hurt Lincoln Center. Why would you do this? You know, this is this. Sadly, this is you know insider politics of the ugliest kind. It's it's a huge money maker these days to run a shelter. In the real estate industry, it's known as the highest and best use. So no matter what your business is, whether you have uh, real estate for commercial purposes or residential purposes or some combination of it, the best use and the most profitable use is for a shelter these days. Every person in real estate knows this, and to be awarded this, this guaranteed money, run a shelter, to build a shelter, to buy the actual property, this is the greatest, you know, handout by our government that we've ever seen. Now, let me just also add that nobody that's listening, nobody that reads the papers, nobody in New York City even knows that this happened. So where was the public discourse? Where was democracy when the decision was made by the de Blasio administration to hand out all this money, the largest contract of the year, or a shelter next to a playground, next to where children play. We're not saying that people in a shelter are necessarily dangerous, but we also don't know everything about people who are in a shelter. We don't know if there are any sex offenders in that shelter. We don't know the level, the criminal history of the individuals in the shelter. Okay, there is no due diligence on those individuals. But, but the administration puts the friends of the administration ahead of the interests of the people of New York, and they place it right next to where children play. And again, this is one of the biggest head scratchers, and that's why I had to write the letter to the Department of Investigation asking them to take action into investigating this very transaction. And by the way, Dominic, if they do not, if they, if they do, not do what they're responsible for doing, we will go to the attorney general, we'll go back to the Southern District, we'll go to the Manhattan DA. We will go everywhere until we seek justice uh, for the people of New York City and the taxpayers that just get killed every single day paying taxes and they find out that this is what it went for. We are talking with attorney Brad Gersman. Uh, uh, attorney, this is wicked. I mean, let's call it what it is, what the de Blasio administration did. I thought... Common practice. When you're on your way out the door, you're not supposed to do anything to long term. You're not supposed to, in theory, to tie the next mayor's hands. He didn't just tie Eric, Eric, Eric Adams hands. He's tied the next mayor's hands for the next 40 years. It, it justifies logic. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. That's a really good point. This, you know, Bill de Blasio did what was best for Bill de Blasio. He was looking at other opportunities beyond being mayor 
Uh, we all know that he attempted to run for president for five minutes. And then, and, and then, of course, he ran for Congress for 10 minutes. And who knows what his next step may be. Uh, so he wanted to keep his friends. He wanted to have people in his pocket for his next run, for his next step in life. And, uh, and, and I'm sure that that was, was going through his mind when he was decided to, uh, like you said, lock up mayors for the next you know, 40 years. And I just wanted to also add one more piece to this, Dominic, is that, you know, you see also some of this insider game where, you know, there, there, there was a lady who worked for uh, DHS, Department of Homeless, Homeless Services, and then suddenly works for Project Renewal, who is the operator and the awardee of that $500 million contract. Uh, so, you know, you see people shifting from government back to the private sector, and, you know, suddenly the money follows those people. And they, the company that they work for are suddenly the beneficiaries of significant contracts. And, you know, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, makes the people of New York, the people around this country, so skeptical and so uh, upset with how our government works. And that's why there's such a great level of distrust. Bill de Blasio did not do anyone any good by doing this, and um, and, and we hope that you know that, that people look into it uh, and that there would be some justice in this. Well, Counselor, uh, a lawyer, uh, Brad Gersman, representing the residents that are fighting this. We thank you so much for joining us live on this Sunday evening. It's just it's just wicked to do something like this. I, I don't I don't see how de Blasio, maybe I'm naive, maybe this is why I'm not in politics. I don't see how the man can sleep with himself. Giving out a five hundred million dollar contract, locking up mayors for the next forty years. And if I heard you correctly, if I heard you correctly, he, it's not only a contract, but he's giving them the seed money to find to find the location and to carry this out. Is that correct? Yeah, yep, that's what it looks like to us is that this was uh this money is involves in the purchase of the property, the development of the property and the running of the property. So yeah, the seed money, the seed money as well. And just to add one last thing, Dominic, is that this, you know, the city is in such need of affordable housing and this could have been something that would have been an amazing and amazing accomplishment of the de Blasio administration if they would have turned this into affordable housing, which would have made more sense next to a playground. Uh, But, you know, and by the way, a lot cheaper. Uh, But on the other hand, um, you know, like we said, is, you know, this is something that just really makes us all look down and and look at government in such a negative way. And it's it's really a sad moment. And I'm glad that uh, you're you know, shedding some light on this. It, it's, I'm saying this in conclusion, Counselor. It's disgusting because we need Lincoln Center to shine, to flourish, so it helps with taxpayer dollars coming in. We don't need eyesores that's going to chase away business. It really is that simple. It's in all of our own interests to make sure that Lincoln Center shines. I, I mean, am I right or wrong on this here? No, you're totally right. And, 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 you know, something the good news is that we, this isn't the administration that's currently, um, you know, in power. And Eric Adams, our, our mayor, has an opportunity to right the wrong here. And uh, hopefully people like you, you know, shedding light on this issue, uh, the administration will, you know, take notice and will, and will take steps to do the right thing. 
Well, uh, Attorney Brad Gersman, thank you for taking time out on this Sunday night to join us live here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you. Always my pleasure, Dominic. Congratulations again. Thank you. Thank you, Counselor. And so story number two, outrage involving de Blasio. And I've, I've got about a million topics on my mind tonight and this morning. And so let's go ahead and open up the phone lines, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. In a moment, I'm going to David in Alabama, calling from Alabama, but I want to bring I want to bring this to your attention. Listen, if there's a wrongdoing that occurs in society, people are entitled for a recourse. People are entitled for for action, but but this is, I mean, this is ridiculous, what I'm about to tell you. So, 5,200, and again, this ties into de Blasio, I'm going to tell you how in a second, 5,200 African American and Latino, former Big Apple teachers, and once aspiring educators, are going to collect $1.8 billion in judgments after the city stopped fighting a nearly three-decade-old federal discrimination lawsuit that found a, a certification exam was biased. Now, I, I don't know whether or not the exam was biased or not, but at the end of the day, One person will collect $2 million alone from the settlement. The average settlement, uh, according to published accounts, is going to be, for each person that was allegedly wronged, a million dollars. A million dollars! Retirement money. Now, these judgments are based on what the teachers and the teacher candidates would have earned had they passed the test and kept working in the city's public school system. So this stems from an agreement ironed out in November 2021 during then-Mayor Bill de Blasio's hint, hint, final weeks in office. Here's something else that's coming to light now a year, a little more than a year later. The city agreed, the city of New York, in the final months of de Blasio, agreed to set aside more than $1.8 billion, with a B, in funds to pay off the plaintiffs through 2028. So what was there bias in this exam? I don't know. Let's say for argument's sake there was. Let's just say for argument's sake there was. But a million dollars per per plaintiff? A million dollars? Mayor Bill de Blasio, where, where did you get this money, this taxpayer money, to just give away on your own political agendas, you and your wife? I mean, I, I, again, this is 5,200 African-American and Hispanic Latino, uh, big app, ex Big Apple teachers, and they're going to collect one point eight billion, billion. 
I'm sorry, folks. This is ridiculous. So effective tomorrow, New York City has a new permanent police commissioner, Edward Caban. We still haven't gotten to the Gilgo Beach situation. Rex Huaman, we'll talk about that in a second. The investigators who swarmed his house over the weekend wearing hazmat suits, gloves, and head coverings, looking to see if there was any further evidence. Quote, if he has any trophies. All right, we'll, we'll deal with that in a second. I want you to listen, folks, to this, right? Chris Christie, poor Governor Chris Christie. So, Chris Christie, I find this entertaining. Chris Christie, his campaign is going so bad that he's looking for coverage in any possible way that he can get. Chris Christie appeared on on the Fox News channel the other day, I think Thursday of last week. And Pierce Morgan asked him a question of that uh, former President Trump likes the UFC-style cage uh, boxing, the matches and so on, and that if the two fought two-to-toe, who would win? And Christie, with his uh, personality, well, I want you folks to listen to this. And he also talked about his weight issue. If you and Trump got in the ring, he loves his UFC and stuff like that, right? If you got in the octagon, you and him, who'd, who'd win? Come on. Guy's 78 years old. I'd kick his ass. <laughs> I mean, we know that Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg apparently going to get in Yeah, there. I can't wait for that you one. Want, do you want to be on Did the you un- see that picture of Zuckerberg? Yeah. Looking pretty buff. He does. If I were Elon, I'd be a little bit worried. But, I mean, would you be prepared to be on the undercard? You against Trump? Look... I'll fight Donald Trump anywhere he wants, in any in arena he wants, um, whether it's on a debate stage or in the octagon. He's mocked your weight, Trump. Yeah, look at him. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I mean, for goodness sakes, come on. I mean, look, you know what? Here's the, here's the bottom line, Pierce. I, you know, for the last 30 years, I've struggled with my weight. Like tens of millions of Americans struggle with their weight. And there are times where I do well, and there are times when I don't do very well. Um, and it's a struggle. And for him to be such a child, an infant, and make those kind of remarks, especially, I guess, when he's staying up in Bedminster, New Jersey, there are no mirrors where he is. <laughs> because all he needs to do is look at himself, and what he should do first, work on himself. Mm. Then when he gets himself, because, you know, he wears those ties, mm. you know, eight the feet long. Ties, yeah. yeah, eight feet long, because he told me this, because they slenderize him. Mm. Let me tell you, fail. Stop working. <laughs> Poor Chris Christie. Come on, Governor. You're bigger than that. I, I don't mean in terms of physical stature. I mean in terms of of uh, who you are. Come on, Governor. The presidential campaign, you, your time came and went. Chris Christie will go down in history as the perfect example of the person that when he should have run, he didn't run. His timing uh, was off, and he can never go back to that. By the way, on Sunday... Today, Christie ducked a question about whether he intends to support the eventual 2024 Republican nominee for president, whether true or not, in order to make it to the GOP debate stage. So he ducked the question on uh, CNN and did not uh, did not answer that question. We are going to take your telephone calls in a moment. We're going to let you hear 
Governor David Patterson appearing on the Cats Roundtable earlier today with our owner-operator John Katsimatidis talking crime. We'll let you hear that as it relates to what Governor Patterson says about crime, the perception of crime, and the media. And Mayor Eric Adams uh, stating that basically everything is okay. It's the media that's putting things out of proportion. So we're going to get to Governor Patterson in just a, just a couple of minutes, but let's take some of your telephone calls. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. David in Alabama. Good evening, David. What's on your mind? How you doing, Dominic? I'm doing well, and I hope you're doing well as well. I'm doing well, and I just wanted to say congratulations on getting an extension on your on your show. I think it's great. I think they ought to give you more time. Uh, down in Alabama, we haven't got that many good talk show hosts, so I listen to the FBC. <laughs> I well, love Dominic Carter. Well, I love Blog. I love you know. I just Roger Stone, Andrew Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani. I love them all, man. They're just y'all are great. Well, we love you too. Thank you, and and David again. I've said it a couple of times, but it really is true. The Casamitides, Margot and John Casamitides, they're the vision, as as I'm sure you know, even in that, down in Alabama, they're the vision that put all of this together, including me. They planned uh, this extension, and they're, they're getting to it now. And as I constantly say, uh, they have been very, 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 very good to me. And whatever they roll with, I roll with them. So, David, we really do appreciate your call. Thank you. I, I won't tell you. I really, really thank the world to John Casmatini, and I hope he takes over CNN. And I hope that the lineup you got on WABC winds up on CNN. That would be so fantastic. Well, he 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 really is a great man. I, I kid you not, David. I have never seen that man raise his voice once, not one time. And he's a billionaire. And when you interact with him, it's like you're talking to a regular person. His wife is a billionaire. When you sit down and talk to her, you're talking to a regular person. Trust me when I tell you. And it would be wonderful if they took over CNN. It would turn the network around. David, we really appreciate your call from Alabama. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you, and have a great evening. Dominic Carter here with you on Sundays, my new hours. We start at 11, going until 1 a.m., and then for the rest of the week, you can join me during the regular midnight hour. We are taking your telephone calls. We have more time to engage each other. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. I haven't even gotten started with all the topics that we that we need to get to over the course of the next hour and a half. But let's go to, okay, well, you know what? Let's do this. Before we go to Larry in Brooklyn, let's do this. Let's take a break. Dominic Carter here with you up until 1 a.m., coming up at 1 a.m., Frank Morano and the other side of midnight. We are going to take a break. When we come back, more of your telephone calls and more of the stories that I need to get to right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, 
Here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And we are back. Dominic Carter here with you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm about to go back to the telephone calls in just one second. Your live calls. But here we go again. Here we go again. A man stabbed in an unprovoked attack at a Times Square subway station. Suspect possibly homeless. 51-year-old strap hanger stabbed in the chest by a stranger. And what did the strap hanger do? He offered to help pay the fare for the individual. This happened about 8 p.m. at the Times Square 42nd Street station, according to the uh, NYPD. According to authorities, the victim was leaving the station. He offered to pay for the suspect, who then randomly stabbed him. The world that we live in. And we're discussing a number of, uh, for lack of a better term, shady contracts given out towards the end of the de Blasio administration in one, a $500 million, 40-year contract for a shelter, a 200-bed shelter. A settlement with African-American and Latino former Big Apple teachers, 5,200 former teachers, $1.8 billion. The money came from the de Blasio administration. So I, I should have been a teacher because if, if I had lucked out and been one of these uh, administrators, you're walking with a million-dollar payment, a million-dollar payment. Thank you very much. Mayor de Blasio, I hope you enjoyed being mayor because you will never be elected anything else. Not necessarily me talking. That's the will of the people of New York. Let's go to Larry. Larry, And we also have a new police commissioner, full-time police commissioner, in just hours, Eddie Caban. Larry in Brooklyn. Good evening, Larry. What's on your mind? Yeah, hi. First, I just want to say that this was a, a brilliant programming move. Uh, to give you an extra hour, especially Sunday night, where you know we miss you for the whole, you know, for the weekend and everything. Well, that's so, nice you know, of you to say, and, but but now, but now, but now you'll dig into me, Larry. Go right ahead. I would expect nothing. No, I'm nothing. not. I'm not going to dig into you. I'm okay. going to. I'm going to give you a problem to solve because I, okay. think, I think this is right up your alley. Okay. Yesterday, yesterday morning, I heard on the Sid show just before the Bo Deedle segment, there was preliminary information that Sid said. That, that Jeffrey Madry was going to be the next police commissioner. Bo Deedle, uh, he did not want to comment on it because he, he probably had something negative to say. And then I went on Rudy at three, and I knew what the scandal was behind Madry and everything. And I bl- and I said, that's the reason Keechan Sewell was let go, and I blasted the whole thing. And now we find out that it's Eddie Caban. So I'm asking you, do you think that Adams, because he's on the rocks, his relationship is on the rocks with Sid, do you think he gave he, he deliberately uh, gave Sid wrong information? Or do you think that at the last minute he pulled the old switcheroo, he was going to appoint Jeffrey Madry, but he got blowback. Maybe one of, some of the blowback was my phone call even. And he switched Kabat at the last minute. What do you think happened? I think that Eric Adams is interested in going down in the history books. That's why he appointed the first woman commissioner. And this is why he's appointing Caban. But Caban, just like just like uh, the uh, Keyshawn Sewell, 
Uh, they they were each qualified. She didn't have the experience, but Caban, and, and hear me out, Larry, Caban has the experience. He's worked his way through the ranks, starting out in the Bronx, working in Brooklyn. Now, uh, you know, well, he used to be former first deputy uh, police commissioner. And 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 it's a, it's a good plus that I think we all should celebrate that someone someone who's qualified who also happens to be Latino is going to make history. So I as police commissioner, I think Eric Adams knew all along that he was going with Caban. I think he needed a a two week trial period to see how he handles the pressure of when uh, when they've got to go before the cameras for high-profile shootings. And I think Caban passed the test, and I think that's that. Well, so you think that he deliberately gave Sid wrong information in the morning? Because Sid announced that it was it was going to be Badri of yesterday's program. Well, I, 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 haven't, I haven't talked to Sid. I haven't seen Sid lately. I don't know if Sid was basing that on sourced information. I don't know where Sid got his information from. Sid is Sid is always correct. I I just haven't had a chance to talk to him, Larry. So I don't I don't know. I can't comment on something that I don't know where Sid was getting his information from. Okay, because it seems a little bit mysterious to me. That's all I wanted to point out. Okay, fair enough. Thank you for the uh, telephone call, Dominic Carter. Here with you, folks. Talk Radio seventy seven WABC. Let's go to Norman in Brooklyn. Good evening, Norman. What's on your mind? Good evening, Dominic. First of all, congrats on the extra time. If, if you, oh, wait, wait, Nor- Norman. Time. What's wrong with your phone? It sounds like you're in Africa. Well, hold on. Let, okay. let me get around. Is this a little better, Dominic? Um, not really. It's a, there's like an echo. It's a hollow sound. All right. Let me let me let me get away from my house. Who the hell knows? Maybe I've had to walk out into my driveway. Is this better? Uh, it's a little better. Go go right ahead, Norman. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm surprised to hear that anybody even cares about the. Uh, about uh, the fares being collected, I, I feel really bad for this this uh, poor uh, poor strap hanger offered to pay uh, pay for this guy. Um, uh, in my neighborhood, for example, um, nobody pays the fare. I mean, you know, when I get on the bus, I'm one of the few people that actually uh, produces a metro card, and the bus drivers they tell me that uh, the bus drivers tell me that uh, you know their their lives are worth more than asking people. For, for for uh, for fair, so you know I I just I, I'm just seeing it's very uh, it's horrible what's going on right now you know it doesn't seem to be we're losing in addition to our poor strap hangers getting stabbed we're we're losing a lot of uh, fare and that's why they're they're going to do things like uh, uh, congestion pricing and all sorts of other nonsense I mean well, all they have to do is just I mean it used to be they would uh, the, the bus would pull over. And uh, and the bus driver would say, "Hey, you got to get off the bus." And if the if the if the uh, person wouldn't get off the bus, the cops would come on. But now they don't care anymore. So it's just everything seems to be just broken down now. Well, Norman, you are correct. But but in fairness to the uh, bus drivers, can can we really blame them? I mean, no, it, absolutely not. It, you know, it, it may take it may take with traffic and so on. It could take five to ten minutes for police to respond. And it's not the police officer's fault. They're doing the best that they can. But by the time the police right. respond, you know, someone can be fatally injured and, and the culprit is gone. Right. But, I, you know, I see people get on the bus there and they got brand new iPhones and new clothing. And sometimes I see, you know, like they'll have cash and stuff like that. And yet, you know, it's there's 
they just assume, oh, it's free now. You know, there's just uh, the attitude, it's free now. That's the, in my and, neighborhood. And that is the attitude. That's the attitude. And in Canarsie, basically the attitude is it's free. So you see, you see old people, you see young people. It doesn't matter. Everybody gets on now, and they just sit down. And I feel like an idiot. You know, like, why am, why am I doing this? You know, why am I paying? And pretty soon, if they raise the fares, I may start joining them. Well, I, you know, be careful. We don't want to see you arrested or, or to get a ticket. No, but, no, but, but, you know, arrested is, uh, you know, it's like I don't think I think you got to kill somebody to get arrested now, Dominic. I don't think, I don't think you get arrested. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, yeah. Norman, I, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for the call. Folks, I am looking at uh, Twitter. You can reach me, Dominic TV. I may use some of your uh, comments. So Joe Meyer says, when will the Department of Investigation go after de Blasio and his uh, thief wife? That's a direct quote. Uh, John Beckman says, Dominic, how in God's name did this deal even get by any zoning ordinances? Uh, does New York City have zoning codes? Of course, New York City has zoning codes. That's a great question. Frank H. says, this is great. An extra hour streaming it on iHeart Radio, WABC 77. And uh, also, Sugar Bee. Sugar Bee says, uh, settled in for the night, listening to the best. So happy for you, Dominic, and for your loyal listeners, too. And they uh, they tagged along Mr. Katsimatidis there. So I'm looking at some of your comments. You can reach me on Twitter. You can reach us on the phone, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. So much to get to, so much to deal with. And in our next hour, you're not going to believe this. In the midnight hour, nearly 10,000. Americans are still dying from drug overdoses every month. Not a year, 10,000 every month. That's according to the CDC. And fentanyl is the main cause of death, as we know. Fentanyl cited in 8 and 10 cases. In the midnight hour, in the midnight hour, we will tell you the top 10 states for overdose, overdose death. We will tell you the 10 states with the least overdose death. That's deaths. That's coming up uh, in the uh, midnight hour. What we are going to do is take a break right now. We see your calls coming in, folks. Thank you for the calls. I promise we have plenty of time to get to them. I'm saying that with a smile. We have plenty of time to get to them. When we come back, Governor Patterson appeared on the Cats Roundtable this morning uh, talking the issue of crime, perception of crime, media reporting on crime. He appeared on the Cats Roundtable with our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we'll listen to what Governor Patterson had to say, and then we will immediately return to your telephone calls. Sullivan County, Brooklyn and Karen, Connecticut. We will be right back. W-A-B-C. Now, here's Don. 
Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And we are back on this Sunday evening, 47 minutes past the hour. Dominic Carter here with you, Talk Radio 77 WABC, looking at Twitter at Dominic TV at Dominic TV. Brett Nolan says, an extra hour. Hell yes. Love it, man. Keep up the good work. Love you from North Carolina. Marcus says, Caban got the spot. The new police commissioner, they prepping the 40th precinct in the Bronx for his promotion. That's where they will make the announcement. The mayor, in just a matter of hours, New York City officially has a police commissioner. Governor Patterson. David Patterson, Democrat, appearing on the Cats Roundtable. The Cats Roundtable with our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, must listen to radio. Plus the program he does every day, Monday through Friday, with Rita Cosby, 5 to 6 p.m. They've been coming to you a little earlier the last couple of days. Listen to Governor Patterson talking crime with Mr. Katsimatidis, the media, and the perception of crime. Now, the other situation going on is New York keeps losing residents. We joke around and play the song Exodus, and 484,000 have moved already, and it hasn't stopped. Rumor is that the budget is going to be in trouble because taxation taxes received are way down, and everybody blames law and order, but some of the politicians refuse to acknowledge law and order. Well, I think the statistics at least where the public is concerned, are that 41% of New York State residents feel that they didn't think they would feel as afraid of crime as they are now. 52% of the group from New York City voted that way. 31% of the upstaters felt that way, and 32% of the rest of the group, and that would be the group from Long Island and that area. So that's a pretty significant number, and I think nearly 78% of them said they haven't been bothered about crime as they are now. And the conversation between Mr. Katsimatidis and Governor David Patterson continued. So what Mayor Adams has tried to say from time to time, because he did reduce gun trafficking by 25% in the last year compared to the previous year, is that the media is hyping up a lot of these high-profile cases and that that scares the public. Now, he's right about that, but that was the way it is now. That's the way it was in 1990, even when the crime rate was low. When you have very dramatic situations like the road rage situation at 60th Street and between uh, Park and Lexington, where the man got out of his car and started slashing the tires of the other car, the driver of the other car hit him and knocked him through a window and killed him. I mean, that's going to be on the front page. That was a particular case. That's been covered nationally. So I think Mayor Adams is right. I understand how he feels. You know, you work real hard to try to make changes. You make some changes, and they're never going to be highlighted as much as the horrific crimes that occur. But I think we can all agree generally that there is a rampant fear of crime by most residents of the city. And, of course, there are a lot of people who have moved out of the city. Fair point, Governor Patterson. There's a tremendous, though, fear of crime, and it's becoming more and more rampant, and businesses are paying for it in terms of, let's be honest, if you don't have to visit the city of New York these days, are you? Of course not. 
We all know that if you don't have to get on the subway, are you getting on the subways? Of course not. Let's go back to your telephone calls. We will take your calls now live up until the top of the hour. After the break, we'll be back with hour number two. A lot still to get to. Let's go to Karen in Brooklyn. Good evening, Karen. What's on your mind? Hi. 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 This is How are you? Listen, the MTA has nobody to blame but themselves because they don't have any money. When Mayor de Blasio said, stand down and, and, and don't bother them when they jump the stalls, that's when it all started. So it was all Mayor de Blasio's fault, but it's the MTA's fault because all they had to do was say to Mayor de Blasio, listen, de Blasio, we need money. What are you talking about? Stand down. Fair enough. Fair enough. And when you start to tolerate the deviant behavior a little bit, it just continues. It just continues, Karen. No doubt about it. Put. Well put, Dominic. And what is, what is, what do we say? Makers Agency. There you go. Well, Karen, thank you. Thank you for the call from uh, Brooklyn this evening. Let's go to Darren in Connecticut on the Gilgo. I believe that's what he wants to talk about, the Gilgo Beach murders. Good evening, Darren. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hi. Good evening, Dominic. Yeah, I I wanted to mention about the the Gilgo Beach murders. I'm just wondering if there's any kind of connection between those four murders and the four murders in Atlantic City from 2006 called the Eastside Strangler. There were four women that were found in Atlantic City murdered, strangled to death. Do you remember that? Well, I, 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 what I'm thinking about is that, um, I, to be honest with you, Darren, I'm a bit nauseous uh, listening to you recite, you know, what's happened in our area, but also Atlantic City. And who knows? I think we're going to have a lot of answers uh, very soon. Mr. Huerman, Rex Huerman, the uh, suspect here, authorities are stating that this is the first time they have his DNA in the system. And so now they're going to be they're going to be matching that DNA, as you know, up against Atlantic City cases, up against the beach cases in our area, uh, any of these cases where, where there's where there may be a pattern of the type of victim, the women and and uh, the DNA. So I, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but you can you can bet your bottom dollar on it. That they'll be they'll be looking at uh, at his uh, genetic material, um, and and so for example, you already know they got his DNA off of a discarded uh, pizza crust, right? And that apparently matched to the DNA found on the body of victim Megan Waterman. So who knows? I I don't know. What do you believe, Darren? It's going to happen. Well, I, I'm I, I don't know what DNA was left on the bodies of the four women that were in Atlantic City. I'm not sure because they were very badly decomposed when they were found. But it's just a coincidence to me that it was around the same time and it was four women and they were prostitutes. And people that live in Long Island and the New York area do go to Atlantic City, as I used to go there a lot myself. Yes. So I'm just wondering if there's any kind of a connection between the two murders. Well, I, I think in the day – thank you for the telephone call, Darren, in Connecticut this evening. I think in the days ahead – We'll have a lot of answers uh, based on the DNA that they that authorities uh, now have. Let's go to Al in Yonkers. Good evening, Al. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Uh, hello, Dominic. Uh, congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Al. Go right ahead. 
I just want to touch quickly on two topics. I'll be really quick. I just want to say with Chris Christie, uh, you know, he's a smart guy. He was a governor of a state that's always usually traditionally goes Democrat. But uh, when he gets nasty and all, he does himself a disservice. That's one. And in regards to the uh, the the suspect they picked up in Long Island, in regards to the uh, the beach murders out in uh, in Long Island, mm-hmm. uh, I think people who insinuate that the ch- the former chief and the former district attorney, not really the district attorney, uh, Spato and a Burke, they were a, a mentor protege relationship. But when it's insinuated on the networks, like on the radio, that Burke is involved with this is really it's not based on fact we don't know that so i think it's irresponsible when that's said on the radio that you know all because burke had gotten arrested uh about a decade ago for having uh beating up a, a suspect who took some things out of his van uh, we can't just say he's connected to this uh investigation now so i think that's reckless that's all well, I, I hear you, Al. I certainly uh, are taking a, a wait-and-see approach. I'll wait to hear from law enforcement. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Johnny in Sullivan County. Good evening, Johnny. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hi, Dominic. I congratulate you also for the extra hour. Well, thank you. And, thank you. Uh, I'm just glad you got home that night with those torrential rains. And that was so the last am I. Time I spoke to you on so the air. So am I. Hey, but Johnny, wait, I'm going to let you finish, Johnny. So you know what? The other day, right? To show you how things work, and, and we're, we're so used to convenience. So I I come outside, and I want some ribeye steaks, right? My son is with me, and I'm like, son, let's run up to Walmart up at the uh, outlet mall. It'll be cheaper than our local supermarket. Johnny, we get one exit to exit 14, and there on the Palisades Parkway, we got to go up to 16, then go up, I think, uh, Route 6, whatever it is. And the whole thing was shut down. You can't get past exit 14 on the Palisades. But go right ahead, Johnny. Yeah, it's collapsed. I mean, you can't even get to the Army base. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about um, a different topic, the collapse of the commercial real estate in New York City, which will lead to its downfall. We already heard John Casamitidis talking about the losing of tax money. Um, yes. I just got word from a member of my union. I'm in Local 3 of the IBEW. There's no more work whatsoever in the commercial real estate. They're no longer doing renovations. That work is done. If you get laid off in Local 3, you'll be out of work for over a year. So that's wow. all because of this, you know, work from home since COVID came to be and whatnot. There's no more foot traffic coming in. And in a way, the commercial real estate, you know, created their own problems by charging so much money per square foot of their real estate. Um and now all that foot traffic that came in surrounding businesses like um, pizzerias, although they're having their own problems now with this new move they're looking to do, the delis and whatnot, they're going to suffer. It's going to have a trickling-down effect, and it's going to lead to the collapse of the city. And also the other thing that collapsed is the building trades, the plumbers, the carpenters, the unionized building trades, which was so powerful, it's completely down to nothing. And that's due to a variety of things. And um, most one of the one of the many things involved with that, believe it or not, and every building trades member will equivocate to this fact. Ever since the mob went down, so did the union building trades, believe it or not. But um, it's it's not looking good, not looking good at all. And we're we're going to face some cataclysmic things in this city, a city I don't even recognize anymore. You know what, Johnny? You you may I thank you for the call. You may be onto something. Again, the other day I'm in the supermarket, Shoprite. And there's a guy behind me, and he's telling me that he's a contractor, 
and that things are really, really rough in terms of work. So, Johnny, your, your point may have been dead on. Folks, we are going to take a break. Coming up in hour number two, nearly 10,000 Americans still dying from drug overdoses every month, according to the CDC. I'll be right back. And with us now, Dominic Carter. Let's see you acknowledge a man whose words make your blood boil, who's standing center stage and advocating at the top of his lungs that which you would spend a lifetime opposing at the top of yours. Dominic, I want to say, when we started calling around in uh, New York City last week to find out who would have their finger on this story, you were the person who was most often mentioned, and that's why we asked you to be with us this morning. So what do you hear? What do you know? How is this thing going to come out? Now, here's Dominic. Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And we are back, hour number two. Good morning, good morning, good Monday morning. Dominic Carter here with you, Talk Radio 77 WABC. I don't see an end in sight to this major problem that each and every one of us has, except for to tighten the border. And if you tighten the border, it helps us with the migrant situation. And I'm not going to tee you off against migrants right now. I'm talking about the humongous drug problem that we have. I'm talking about the humongous fentanyl problem that we have right now. According to the CDC, nearly 10,000 Americans are still dying from drug overdoses each and every month. Each and every month. People are dropping like flies. The The fentanyl. I don't see an end in sight. Maybe you can tell me an end in sight because I don't see it. I see the problem getting a whole lot worse before it gets better. And the only shot we have at controlling this, if that's such a thing, is to tighten the border. Fentanyl, the main cause of death in eight out of ten cases. Fentanyl. The kids, what's racing through my mind right now, young kids experiment, high school kids experiment, kids that are freshmen, sophomore, juniors in high school, experiment. They may experiment with a joint, and it may be the first and last joint that they ever smoke, a marijuana cigarette. They may take a pill. They may think it's X, but it's actually Y laced with fentanyl. It may be the very last pill that they ever take, leaving behind, leaving behind heartbroken families and loved ones. Top 10 states. Hard to believe that I'm I'm stating this, but top 10 states for deaths when it comes to overdoses. Number one, California, 
Number two, Florida. Number three, Texas. Number four, Pennsylvania. Five, Ohio. Six, Tennessee. Seven, Illinois. Eight, North Carolina. New York comes in at number nine. Michigan is number 10. Top 10 states for overdose deaths. The 10 states with the least overdose deaths. Number one, South Dakota. Number two, Wyoming. Number three, North Dakota. Number four, Montana. Five, Nebraska. Six, Hawaii. Seven, Vermont. And it's been a bad problem in Vermont. Eight, Alaska. Nine, Idaho. Number 10, Rhode Island in which I I was there in Rhode Island just Saturday. Had to go, uh, we had to go pick up my daughter's car for some work to be done. But at least that's good news. Uh, Rhode Island, among the states that are the least overdose deaths, and many of you have heard me talk about the fact that my my daughter and, and my grandkids live in the state of Rhode Island. Another topic, we see your phone calls coming in, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. So, another topic I want to deal with, and we see your, your calls on fentanyl, right? We'll get to them in just a second. The point that I make, I guess, just about every night is that we have to be proactive, in terms of clamping down on criminals. We must be proactive in terms of clamping down on criminals. You cannot make this up. A homeless convicted sex offender is terrorizing women in the East Village. They are calling this individual a ticking time bomb. And so, again, homeless, convicted, sex offender, terrorizing women in the East Village. And this individual spent five months in jail last year for allegedly groping two women. And he hangs out between East 3rd Street and East 5th Street along 2nd Avenue And if you're a woman and you happen to pass this guy and you ignore his sexual advance, there's a good possibility he's going to grope you. But he's taking it to a whole other level. So the obvious question is, he's already convicted. What is he doing on the streets? This is what I'm talking about, being proactive. He's taking his misdeeds to another level coming up behind one woman and declared, I can't even repeat what he allegedly said to the woman. I'm going to, you put the word in there, rape you. I'm going to, you put the word in there, folks, rape you. Right? So the women, you know, at their wits end, don't know what to do, telling him to get away from from them. 
screaming that he's a rapist to get the attention of other people in the neighborhood. One woman says that she now carries pepper spray, right? So, and they're also stating that he had some type of mental health and addiction issues. He's homeless. But why is this man still on the street? Why? Why? And then I am glad, and we're going to start with your telephone calls in just a second. I am glad with something that the House of Representatives did Friday. So they approved $886 billion in defense spending for the next fiscal year. But it also included amendments that ban U.S. military funding for diversity, equity, and inclusion, pro- and inclusion programs the teaching of critical race theory, and so-called green energy initiatives. Speaker Kevin McCarthy added, under this bill, men and women in uniform who make sacrifices for our nation every day will receive the biggest pay raises in decades. But I support getting rid of this diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. And you can take your money to the bank that I support getting rid of uh, critical race theory, I don't see how those initiatives benefit people of color. We live, and I say this constantly, we live in the greatest country in the world. If you want success, it's right there in front of you. All you have to do is reach out and touch it. Well, Dominic, what are you talking about? How do I touch it? Nothing worthwhile in life is ever going to be easy, ever. When I say reach out and touch it, I mean education, I mean hard work, I mean education, I mean hard work, I mean more hard work, and I mean more hard work. But at the end of the day, if you want the success, it's right there in front of you. Let's go to, we, we see all of your calls. Let's go to Elena in Teaneck, New Jersey. Good morning, Elena. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Good morning, Dominic. Congratulations for the extra time. Well, thank well you. Deserved. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Dominic, I have, uh, it's about fentanyl, and I have two thoughts that I wanted to share. One is that are we losing more people now to fentanyl than we did to COVID? I'm not sure. That's a great question. I will check it out because I don't know the answer off the top of my head. I'm I'm sure that it's been more for COVID, but who knows, Elena? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? And the next question, the next thought I have to share with you is that we're losing a lot of young people and specifically men. Basically, to co- to fentanyl. Now, could this be a design to get rid of our future adult men and possibly military men? I I thought about it, and we're really suffering at that point. And a lot of the homeless people are either ex-military or men. I would like to see a count projected on that. Are we having more men being lost, killed, destroyed? And 
you know, with the hardships against men, and I'm very sensitive. I have three boys, so I'm very sensitive to men. How old are they? Okay. I have one that's, uh, well, my, my three boys, one that's over 50, one that's just under 50, and one that's, in, uh, well, late 30s. Hey, Elena, how's that possible when you're only 19? <laughs> oh, thank you. You know what? I'm going to call you every night if you keep talking like that. <laughs> so you have two that that are, are close to 50. Exactly. And the third son is how old again? And he's in his mid-30s. Okay, okay, okay. And, and he has three boys. And he has so three boys. So I'm sensitive to boys. And you, but, you, but you know what, Elena? Let, let's, I don't even want to discuss this as it relates to your family. Let's use a hypothetical. Let's use a hypothetical, okay? So what is so dangerous for all of us, all it takes is a kid going to one party and a little bit of peer pressure. Come on, you'll love this pill. Take this pill with us. And you don't, and that could be the very last thing that they ever do. Exactly. And you're planning a funeral after that. Yes. Yes. And I know, I know that well. I heard some statistics I've seen. Uh, in my family, we lost a family m- member to lace drugs. So I, it, it comes very close to heart. And somehow we, we are paying attention to this nonsense in CRT. We're not paying attention to our people. Yeah, so, Elena, I, I know you're going to say you're, you're not the one to really ask this. Before I let you go, because I do have a lot of calls, this CRT, I'm just asking you a general question. What What is it supposed to do in theory as far as, as far as, because I feel that all it does is cloud people, their thought process, and create excuses. In your opinion, Elena, what is it supposed to okay, do? Okay, by thesaurus, it's, I would say, not cloud, but confuse children, confuse parents, and really annoy teachers because they have to go through all that. That's teachers and employers. They have to go through all that nonsense and try running a department with all that confusion, amongst other things. Right. Then add the reading and arithmetic and all the rest of that stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, now yeah. you're dealing with the politics. Elena, thank you for the call this morning from TMAC, yeah. and thank you for the comment. You have a, a wonderful, wonderful day. Dominic Carter here with you, Talk Radio 77 WABC. In our last hour, on two fronts, former New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio is under fire. The last days of his administration, a $500 million contract awarded to a company, right, for a 40-year contract. He didn't just tie Eric Adams' hands. He tied the next couple of mayors' hands. $500 million for a shelter not far across the street, well, not far from Lincoln Center, near a playground. So that's one. And then the second issue is that the money came from the de Blasio administration. Again, the final days, $1.8 billion, in which apparently some some teachers took a certification uh, exam. We're going to get back to fentanyl. And there was allegedly uh, some wrongdoing uh, against African-Americans and Latinos. Settlement to the tune of $1.8 billion. One former teacher is going to receive $2 million. Most 
other uh, plaintiffs will receive a million dollars. So I guess I picked the wrong industry. I should have uh, been one of these teachers that felt that that I was passed over, and then I could have been one of the plaintiffs and walked away with a million dollars. But thank you very much, Mayor de Blasio. Let's go to Steve in Brooklyn. Good morning, Steve. What's on your mind? First, thanks, Katsimatidis, for you. Um, all we need to understand the Marxist Bill de Blasio and Charlene McRae, who both honeymooned in a communist country and loved authoritarianism, we, all we need to know is that, number one, um, they... They really are, wanted to run for mayor in order to punish and, and exact a revenge on capitalist countries like the United States, which was where they had the misfortune in their mind to be born. And secondly, um, it became pretty clear that de Blasio liked the technique of last-minute sneaking things under the radar when no one was watching. You mentioned this latest atrocity with the, uh, the playground and the uh, homeless shelter, you also mentioned this last-minute thing about the teachers. Let us not forget that he snuck in the congestion pricing in the last 48 hours of his administration while the city council was still in session and he could sneak it through. No one was paying attention. By the way, Bill de Blasio and Charlene McRae also pimped their son Dante to get elected, if you remember. And I remember thinking, Dante's a bright guy, um, and he's sort of innocent of all that the two parents uh, did. However, since Bill de Blasio announced that he was the head of the City University of New York, wouldn't it have been a nice thing if he had his own son going to the City University? He ended up going to Yale instead. Right. Well, Steve, you, you know what time it is. Do as I say, not as I do. Exactly. And Thank you, Dominic. You, you said exactly what's on my mind. But, but I will say this in fairness. Dante is a... Um, you used the word pimped. You said his parents <laughs> pimped him with the commercial. I, pimped is a strong word, but it you is, know. But, but I meant it. And, but, but, the but you know what? Innocent in this. Right, right, right. I mean, you know, Dante with the uh, afro and De Blasio saying, you know, he's standing up there and and he's saying, I had the conversation with my son. What do you do when the police stop you? Yes, I had the conversation with Dante. And then the people said, yeah. And then de Blasio was elected, and it was all downhill from there. And so, Steve, thank you for the call. So, you know, I, I felt a little bad for Dante. You know, you see Dante with his big fro, and he's walking down the street. And de Blasio, what, you know, what I've, what I've said publicly, what turned me off with de Blasio, right? So, Curtis Lee gives me a hard time about this. He says, yeah, every time I see you and Eric Adams embrace each other, you give each other the black handshake. That's what that's what Curtis says. Right. And um, he's right. <laughs> to, to be honest with you, he's right. What what really turned me off? I have to be honest with you, folks. Is I saw de Blasio one day. And de Blasio walked up to me and gave me the black handshake. And I was so caught off guard. And, and you know, I, 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 went, I went with it. But then I'm like, why can't you just shake my hand like a regular man? You know, why, why do you got to prove to me that you a brother when no matter what, you're not a brother? 
And so that was like the beginning of our relationship going downhill. And then his head became so big in terms of, you know, he thought that, that he walked on water once he was elected mayor. And it was like, yo, de Blasio, don't kid yourself. Don't, don't kid yourself. I don't care what your wife and kids are telling you. Don't kid yourself, man. You're just the mayor. That's it. All of this running to Iowa and New Hampshire, dude, it's not going to work. You will never be president of the United States. Now he can't even be elected dog catcher. If he had listened, maybe his career would have turned. And, and I do feel bad on a personal note with uh, de Blasio and his wife declaring that uh, their marriage, they're going through some issues and they're going to um, see other people. Let's go to Frank in Maine. Good morning, Frank. What's on your mind? Dominic, always a pleasure. You know, Dominic, as a, as a retired teacher, uh, 27 years in NYC public schools, I am sickened by this um, settlement that these, that these so-called um, people claim that these tests are so hard that they couldn't pass them and they were all racist. I took a test one time, and you pay to take these tests. It isn't like they give them to you for free. So I took a test one time, and I didn't pass a certain test four times, and I studied. Um, it is, it's a travesty of justice that these people are making, are getting immediate money when other people struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled and finally passed certain tests, certain certifications to get where they are now. Um, and it, 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 it's, a, it, it, it's a slap in the face for me and for teachers that are retired and for teachers that are in the system right now. Dominic, have a good afternoon, have a good night, and have a good morning. Thank you, Frank, and you do the same. But, I mean, you know, de Blasio to a lot in the final days of his administration, $1.8 billion for these settlements. And each quote-unquote teacher that was wronged, a million-dollar settlement. Some of them are going to, one teacher is going to get $2 million. Come on, folks. I could see $100,000, 150000 A million dollars? Let's go to Michael in New Jersey on fentanyl. Good morning, Michael. What's on your mind? Um, well, you know how I feel about fentanyl. Uh, if anybody takes it, they're asking for it. You should have enough common sense not to, to experiment with it. You don't buy drugs online. You can get inexpensive drugs without the company's name from supermarkets, which is what I do. So as far as the fentanyl, look, I would rather have a country of less people who are good quality than have a country of a lot of people who are crappy quality. It is not quantity, it is quality. We have a country of, what, 340 million people? Uh, if, we, if you said to me, instead we're going to have a country of 290 million or 300 million, but these people will all be good people, that is what I would want. Right? I don't need a country of garbage. We have enough garbage. Okay, so as far as drug addicts, that's my feeling. But I wanted to correct you on something. You keep saying we, we have to do something about the crime. No, we can't do anything. Substitute the word we for Alvin Bragg, for Eric Adams, and for Hochul. 
they're in power. They can do something. They choose not to because the people keep voting them in. And as long as the people keep voting them in, nothing's going to change. That's it. But as far as you keep saying we, who's we? You? Can you do something? If you could, I'm sure you would. Me? Um, can I do something? If I could, I would. The average person can't do a damn thing. We have no power. We have nothing to say. The people that do have the power and have the, the ability to do something about it don't give a damn. They don't care. And that's it. So substitute Alvin Bragg. Eric Adams and Hochul for the word we. Stop saying we. Okay. Hey, Michael. So you do you do understand, my friend, that you and I could accidentally take fentanyl and and that could be the last thing that we do. You Never do happened. understand. You, no, you're telling me it can't, it can't happen with you, huh? How? Tell me how. I don't it, buy drugs online. I buy drugs that come from a supermarket, and the supermarket basically buys the drugs from the name brand company. They just don't put their label on it. Have you ever bought the, the Target's brand NyQuil? Look at the bottle. Look at the shape of the bottle. Look at the flavors. Look at the ingredients. Who do you think makes it? Vicks. Buy a bottle of, of Target's cough medicine. Look at the Robitussin. It comes from Robitussin. They right. make it for them. Right, but Michael. Don't what, what, buy things online. Okay, okay. You say don't buy things online, right? But yes. so so let's take let's take Michael for example. And then I have a lot of calls, I have to move on. But let's take this for example. So a senior citizen that's barely making it and um and they need some uh diabetic pills, right? Prescription pills. And they see online that they can order some cheap or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Are they and on they, Medicare? Are, are, they, are they on Medicare? Because Medicare will cover it. Well, right, okay. right. There's no such thing as they have no money for their medicine. There's something wrong because they can go on Medicaid, Medicare. And if you call up the company and you say, look, they advertise on TV. If you cannot afford your medicine, give us a call. We'll work something out. Right, that's a okay. poor so, so okay, so Michael, so Michael, so now, so now, you and I know the same fifteen-year-old kid, and let's say it's let's say it's a girl, and she's a good kid. She's a good kid. Did she and, get drugs? And wait, no, she's not on drugs. She's a good kid. She's a good mm-hmm. kid, and she's a straight A student. Yeah. And she asked me and you, can she go out one night to a party that her friends are having, a little get together? And you right. and I, you and I, as her father figures, we say yes, right? Right. And she gets to the party, and someone convinces her to take a pill. She's a moron, okay? What do you mean take a pill? Since when do you take pills at oh, parties? Oh, boy. She should hey, have hey, enough sense. Hey, hey, Michael, she Michael. should have enough sense. Michael, Michael. Okay, 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 okay. So she doesn't take a pill. Yeah. And, and kids take pills. But let's say she doesn't take a pill. She smokes a joint, and she, no, doesn't, know, she doesn't know it's laced with fentanyl. No, then, then she's what? a moron again. Why is she smoking marijuana? You don't even smoke regular cigarettes. They're finding out marijuana destroys brain cells. Does she hope to get into college? Does she want to keep her memory? Because marijuana destroys your memory. What do you mean she's a good kid and she smokes a joint? No, the day she picks up the joint and sticks it into her stupid mouth because she has a stupid brain, she's no longer a good kid. Okay? Good kids don't do that. Stop mixing good kids with kids who aren't good. Michael, That's the problem. Michael, newsflash. Good kids decide to experiment with drugs. I was a good, good kid. My 
good kids, good kids decide to experiment with sex. Good kids sometimes decide to have sex with more than one partner at the same time. I've got to take a break, Michael. I thank you for the call. I want to go to Ilona in Westchester before we take a break. Ilona, what's on your mind? You know, Michael is a sad human being. First of all, he's so freaked out, right? Because bad people, are, you know, they're taking drugs. How come he's taking NyQuil? Next time, ask him. Why are you taking NyQuil, Michael? You're you're so perfect, and you don't need drugs. Yeah. And number two, the the fentanyl is already out there. The trank is out there. Everything is out there. The only thing I think at this point what we need to do is absolutely enforce the laws. That's the first thing. Enforce laws and start getting places where we can really, really, really put these, <clears throat> these people that are homeless, get them off the streets, and start, um, you know, working on getting getting this fentanyl. Stop bringing it into the country. It's it's a very hard thing to do. And like you said, Dominic, nobody, you don't know what you're taking. You, you don't know. It's it's there. And and you know, many many um, drugs you can't even use uh, Narcan with now. So right, right, you know? right. Well, I I thank you for the uh, telephone call. Folks, we have got to take a break. When we come back, more of your calls. We're going to Saratoga, Rocco. We're going to Robert and Suffolk and Eddie and Babylon. We'll be right back. Talk Radio 77 Now. Here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And we are back and a um, a bit of bad news uh, on the local TV news front. So I'm looking at some of the emails. And I mean, th- this is really startling. I didn't, most people on uh, local TV news, I know personally, I didn't really know Elise, but I'm looking at a email from Miguel M- M- Matos, and Miguel, who's a regular listener to the show, he says, Hi, Dominic. So glad you are on from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. More hours for you means more great radio. Then he goes on to say, Also sad to hear of the loss of Elise Finch. She was such a professional and will be missed on CBS, too. And we have confirmed it. We did not want to uh, go on the air with information that may not be correct. But Elise Finch, who was um, one of the, she was the early morning weather woman on Channel 2, has died. And I thought she was a relatively young woman, and she was a Mount Vernon uh, resident. The cause of death is not determined. But uh, this is a story that you will see all over the papers over the next couple of days If you've ever watched uh, Channel 2 in New York City, the local, the early morning newscast, she was the pleasant uh, weather forecaster, and now she's dead. And this is why I say constantly, it sounds like a bad cliche, but we have to, all of us, within the sound of my voice, sometimes you have to live your life. Like like it's your last day. You don't know. 
I mean, this woman, this woman, Elise Finch at CBS Two News, was on on top of the world for 16 years. She did the weather on Channel Two. Early morning, she was in a lot of their promos, and and now she's dead. And I thought I saw something about this earlier, but I didn't really pay attention to it until I saw the email from Miguel, and our team here at WABC has confirmed that she has died. And so, just like that, within a matter of hours, she would have been doing the weather this morning Within a matter of maybe four hours, she would have been on live TV doing the weather on Channel 2, as she does every weekday morning, and now she's dead. I, I don't know much about her uh, about her family situation, but, but that's, that's where things stand right now. So, Miguel, thank you for that email. Let's go back to your telephone calls. Let's go to my friend here, O.B. Murray. Good morning to you, O.B. What's on your mind? How are you, sir? Actually, speaking of living your life, I came to Vermont for a week and stayed for three. So, you know. Uh, is that where you are now? I'm up here right now. And uh, the floods have been okay for us over here so far. But uh, a lot of people are doing some great work up there to get Ludlow in the area back into shape. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so, prayer, so prayer now, so I, I believe you, you have a little uh, or a property on the lake. Is that is that accurate? I'm at a property. I'm, I'm blessed that a friend of mine is across the street. He's he's the uh, fifth generation, and a buddy of mine, a retired colonel, Apache pilot, has the property next door to me. And so the three of us that went to high school together all are uh, together up here in Vermont very often. So okay, it's so terrific. so so what do you do while you're there? Oh, everything on the lake you can do from uh, you know water water skiing right on down to uh, just sitting by the lake and taking it easy. You know, kayaking, paddleboarding. Hiking up in the woods, um, all that wow. kind of great stuff. Of course, there's cigars and scotch are involved in the evenings often. <laughs> so, so do, do do you do you hunt your own fish or go fishing and find your own fish? What what do you do? I I don't have the patience to fish, Dominic, but that may not surprise you. <laughs> well, as but, a as a major political consultant, you're you're always busy. Well, my, my my friends love to fish on the lake, and they do they do quite a bit. A lot of it's catch and release up here, just for, for nature and so forth. But it's terrific, and of course, in the winter time, it's all the great skiing up here. So it's so terrific. I, I do have a question. What what's the point in catch and release? Oh, it's the game of fishing for these guys, uh, and also it's also part of nature. You know, if the fish isn't fully developed yet, it allows the uh, stock to continue to grow. I, I'm not the great fisherman that knows all those answers, but those are the types of things I've heard. Um, you know, let others go at it. And if, remember, if everyone keep, keeps every fish they caught, there'd be nothing left out there. Yeah, that's a good point. So, Ob, before I let you go, how how do how does society control this fentanyl problem? We we have a major problem. Well, there's a couple things too. I think one of your earlier callers, and I won't name names, but when 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 you mentioned a 15 year old as an example. Don't forget, there are grown women and grown men that go to places and get their drinks spiked. There was a major issue in the gay community uh, recently in New York where people were drugged and, and bank accounts swiped out, and a number of them died at that point. Don't forget. I mean, that's something that happens without people even having any control over what was going on. They were somewhere having a drink, and somebody slipped them something. or uh, and just like that. They slipped them just like that. It happens. And, and so the question is really the – the access to fentanyl across across the country, frankly, and I think it's where to, where to cut it down and make sure it stays in the hospitals where it belongs, 
mean, Curtis talked about it years ago when he had his surgery. He was given fentanyl. Or he, you know, he took it. But I know he's definitely offered it. But, uh, I mean, it's just horrendous. It, it's got to be locked up in such a way that it cannot come in our borders like anything else. And I saw a, a – I, I retweeted or liked it on Facebook, but it was somebody that was saying uh, if you're caught with fentanyl or I think selling fentanyl, you can be charged with murder. Um, and there's some pretty drastic things that could be done that I think that haven't been done to, to penalize people that are caught with it uh, that, are, that are hurting the communities. That's one thing for sure. I think but the, the other thing, Dominic, I was calling about quickly was, was Dante. Um, I'm never a fan of Mayor de Blasio historically. I think there's probably three things I may have ever liked, and I can't think of the other two. But uh, Dante, you know, being a son, my father ran for village trustee up in Westchester when I was growing up. Um, and, you know, as a kid, you get to choose to participate in campaigns or not. And I see it every day with other campaigns that we work on. And the, the kids, they're not pawns. They choose what they want to do. He enjoyed the limelight, I'm sure, which is great. It was between him and his parents. That's their choice. But where a kid goes to school hit me kind of hit personally, too, Dominic. I went to a private high school. At that point, my dad was on the school board. And I remember distinctly an opposition, a person from the opposition came into our house, this little coffee clutch up in, uh, in Briarcliff, small little house, you know, growing up, middle class. And they actually said to my father, how dare you run for the school board while your son goes to Stepanak, private Catholic school. My dad in our own living room sat right there and said, my son goes to school where he wants to go. He made the choice. If he doesn't want to go there, we can deal with that, too. But I do not tell my son where he's going to school or not. He can tell me how he's going to pay for it or ask us to pay for it, maybe. But there was never a question about my choice of where I was going to high school or not. My brother went to the public high school and then changed his mind and went to Stepanak as well after I did. Good, bad, and different for decisions for a number of reasons. But, um, you know, Dante should not be required to go to a school just because his father has chosen to run for office somewhere and represent a school, and therefore Dante must attend. Um, you know, parents that force their kids to go somewhere is another story, maybe. But I think that's an important thing to let Dante live his life. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, OB. Hey, hey, man, I want but, you to go ahead. I'm sorry. Quickly before I move on. Yeah, I was just gonna say, kids at 15 years old or adults at other ages, they're going to be exposed to fentanyl, whether they know it or not. Sometimes, whether it's choosing right. drugs, whether right. And don't forget, people on Medicaid and Medicare don't necessarily get what they need right away and don't have the money to do certain things and they can't get what they need. And therefore they do find a way to buy street drugs, not illegal drugs per se, although it's illegal, but that is for their diseases and for whatever it is they're coping with um, for the, for the medical issues. So it, it's not as cut and dry as, Oh yeah, just go to Medicaid or Medicare, open an account and get what you need. So right. let's remember all the people that are out there fighting every day to survive. OB, as always, always a pleasure chatting, my friend. You do great work. I want you to enjoy Vermont, and uh, the rest of us wish we were there with you at the lake. You too, Dominic. Can't get enough of you on the radio. Keep thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. OB Murray in Vermont right now. Let's go to Mike in Brooklyn. Good morning, Mike. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. Um, my question is, is um, the... Teachers getting all this money, they're basically black and brown, right? Yes, sir. Okay, now what about the white people who failed the test? Well, Shouldn't they be uh, compensated well, yeah, also? Hey, I, I hear you, Mike, but what, what the lawsuit is claiming is that it was somehow uh, they were discriminated against with the exam. But, I mean, a million be, dollars? How could it be discriminating in, in the exam, though? 
All I can tell, all I can tell you, Mike, is what has surfaced, and that yeah. is uh, mm-hmm. former Mayor uh, Bill De Blasio, in the final days of his administration, set aside one point eight billion for this settlement, and it's been settled. And each plaintiff, it's about fifty two hundred plaintiffs. Uh, each one is going to receive a million dollars, if not more. If not That's more. Insane. I and agree. Thing, I agree. And the, with, and the thing with fentanyl, I think all the, the parents should uh, should sue the government for their for their children for right. killing them because it, they don't they're not closing the border. They're letting the stuff flow through. Plus the migrants or the illegals, but that's the, the only way some action is going to be taken forth. Agreed, agreed, Mike. Thank you, thank you for the call in Brooklyn. We have got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to go to Pearl River, Suffolk, Babylon, Saratoga, Clifton, and the Bronx. The Chronicles of Dominic Carter, and also Frank Morano is standing by. The other side of midnight coming up at 1 a.m., but in the Chronicles of Dominic Carter, we will have the very latest on the Channel 2 weather forecaster, Elise Finch, who has passed away. She would have been on the air in a matter of five hours, less than five hours from now, live on Channel 2. She is now dead, dead at the age of 51. I will be right back. W-A-B-C. These are the Chronicles of Dominic Carter on 77 WABC. And there is a statement right now from Channel 2 Television regarding the passing of local weather forecaster on air Elise Finch. And the statement reads, it is with profound sadness that we share news of the passing of our beloved Elise Finch. Elise has been a friend and team member at WCBS for 16 years. She first joined the team in 2007 as our weekend meteorologist and was most recently on the morning news with Mary Calvey and Chris Raggy. In September, Elise joined Cindy Shue on the 9 a.m. newscast. Elise was a gifted and consummate professional who took great care with her work. She was also a wonderful ambassador in the community, including her hometown of Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon. Above all, Elise was a fiercely loving and devoted mother to her daughter, Grace, and wife to her husband, uh, Greg, who is a photojournalist at WCBS-TV. Elise passed away at a local hospital. The cause of death has not been determined. Elise was 51 years old. Again, folks, Elise Finch would have been on the air live in just a matter of hours on Channel 2 as she is each weekday morning with a pleasant smile doing your weather forecast. And this is why I say we have to all appreciate every day that we've been given. She is now gone. There will be no more forecasts from her. She is dead at the age of 51, and it, it's it's just horrible, folks. We are uh, taking your telephone calls on the issue of fentanyl. Nearly 10,000 Americans still dying from drug overdoses every month, according to the CDC. Also, why we must be proactive against criminals, the homeless convicted sex offender terrorizing women in the East Village. 
literally walking around. They, they turned down his advances, so he's groping them, and he's telling them that he's going to beep, rape them. This is the world that they live in. What's going on with them? And this guy's a convicted uh, sex felon, but he's still, but he's still on on the street. I I don't understand what what is so hard with you. You're con- convicted. You have a record. There are reports that you're doing this. You're done. So do we have to wait until this guy uh, rapes somebody? He's telling us that's what he's going to do, and and he's groping women, and we're just going to wait and not take any action. Doesn't make doesn't make any any sense. Let's go to Eddie in Babylon. Good morning, Eddie. You're on Talk Radio seventy seven WABC. Dominic, thank John Katzmatidis for giving you another hour to uh, have your craft on the radio. Well, thank you. That's, I really that's, love it. That's very nice of you to say, Mr. Katsimatidis, as well as Mrs. Katsimatidis. And everything everything that's made that's made WABC what it is today in terms of uh, top radio radio station has been their vision. And I'm I'm just telling you this, Eddie, when when I when I first met with the Katsimatidis, right? And I, I can't go into any personal conversations. Mrs. Katsimatidis looked me in my face and said, Dominic, we have not owned the station very long. We're going to figure this out. Be patient with us. And and damn it, if she hasn't delivered on every single thing wow. that she said she would, and her husband, wow. and I haven't even, I because I, I can't talk. I haven't gone. I haven't even gone through half of it in terms of what they've done. So that's why. That's why if a critic calls up here against them, this is not the uh-huh. show to call because I'm not. I'm not feeling it. Criticizing Absolutely. them because I know what they've done for me on a personal level. Go right ahead, Eddie. I had a friend whose friend died, and he had a radio station, WEER, at Montauk. And I said, I didn't want to fall. I didn't want it to fall into bad hands. I went to the Columbus Day Parade, and there's John Katzmatidis. I told him, he goes, take my cell phone number. We've been friends ever since. He is just a real person like you, like Joe Piscopo, like uh, Frank Morano. It's incredible who I've met through this radio station. It's a blessing from God, Dominic. And I, I agree uh, with you, Eddie. Uh, absolutely. He he will text me and show me he's at the Greek church on Sunday or at uh, Joe Pisco's birthday party and feel blessed. Hey, uh, hey Eddie, I'm going I'm to let you make your comment, but I just want to say this and then I'll leave the Casamitidis alone. I, I, yeah. I defy anybody to try yeah, and absolutely. match to try and match their energy. I defy anybody. Uh, and, and, and they, they each go nonstop, nonstop every day. But anyway, go well, ahead. Yeah. I, I'll get text from him like all parts of the night. I think he must be listening to the radio show like I do. <laughs> he, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to let you in on something. Yeah. He and his wife is listening almost every single morning to yeah. every almost every single morning to every single live show. I'm yeah, telling you what, what I know. Do. What I know as a fact. Yes, they love what they do, and it shows. Yes. It really does. Yes. Yeah. And between him and uh, other people, I think that. They will save the country, especially if he procures CNN. I pray for that. I really do. I think we all do. Yes, yes. Okay, as per fentanyl, I get texts every day from some online company that does not text proper English, but they swear they're from the United States and they sell within the United States. They want to sell me a, 
Um, what is that uh, sleeping pill? Um, oh, I don't know. Uh, right. It, it doesn't matter. They just want to sell it to you. Right. And you no, don't. But, you have no idea what it is. But, but what's in it? And is it going to? You're going to wake up dead after you take this? Right. You know, right. and you get senior citizens that say, "Well, I don't have to go to my doctor, and which will be a charge. I'll buy it online." And it could kill you. You don't know who it is. If you know, it's a Chinese company, and you know we're at a soft will with the Chinese with the fentanyl, everything coming over the border. One other thing, the Blasio. I'm up voting, and I talk to everybody around me if they're talkable. My girl starts talking. Said she was in TV production in Manhattan, and she's in an elevator and with four people. De Blasio and his wife got it, get in the elevator. This is three years ago. And they start talking about who they're going to date that night outside their marriage. So this isn't a new thing with them. Maybe it's popularized uh, for him to get a little bit more energy from LBGT and everything else. Because, you know, he did that run for president. He wasn't popular. Right. What do you think about that? I I, I don't – I'm not in their marriage. I I don't know. um, (laughs) Eddie, (laughs) hey, Eddie, thank you for the call. I I don't know what's going on in their marriage. I I can't pretend to know. I don't know what they do. That's that's on them. Let's go to Rocco, Saratoga. Rocco, I have short time, so please get to the point. Real quick, I I, want to comment on everything, but I'll bullet point it. Um, Congratulations, first of all, well-deserved, absolutely, positively. And I'll give you a brother handshake and a fist bump from Jackson Houses (laughs) in the South Bronx, bro. And Melrose Houses thrown in for good measure. Okay, dude, you got it. All right, so now let's hit it. Fentanyl, come on. It's the Chinese. 99% of fentanyl is manufactured in China. It's then shipped to Mexico where they work on it and smuggle it into this country. Wake up, America. They're trying to kill us, the Chinese. They're trying to kill our kids, kill us. Let's get a task force on top of this and put an end to this garbage. The Chinese are trying to destroy our country. They have spies throughout the country. They're coming in left and right. They're trying to take us down internally, internally, okay? Let's stop it. Let's Biden get on this. Wake up, America. Okay, Rocco, thank you. Thank you um, um, uh, for the high level of energy. Thank you. We see all the other calls. I want to bring in Frank Morano on the other side of midnight. Good morning to you, sir. It's a shame so many of your callers are low energy and sleepy, <laughs> right? Congratulations on the extra hour. Well, well deserved. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So how was your weekend? Uh, great. Great. I, does, now, do you get a double the salary now for, for tonight? <coughs> okay. <coughs> I hope so. Well deserved. Um, we, have, we have technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everything, everything, was, uh, everything was great. A lot of news that we're going to get to. Obviously, I have been, as I think you know, Dominic, covering yes. this uh, Long Island serial yes. killer situation for literally years. Yes. And so uh, we're going to dive deep into that next hour. So people have questions, if they have thoughts, if they have different theories, because... There's still, even though they've made an arrest, there's still a big question mark as to the six or seven other victims that are not tied to Mr. Hewerman. Who killed them? Was it Hewerman? Was it someone else? If it was someone else, who? And why did it take them 12, 13 years to make an arrest in this case? That's leading a lot of us to scratch our heads. So we're going to get into that. Anything else you got this morning? Well, the la- the uh, Mega Millions and the Powerball is now up over a billion dollars. So you're okay. telling me we won, you we, and I? Well, hopefully, right? <laughs> um, uh, but 
I am going to talk with a computer scientist who says now is the worst possible time that you can buy a lottery ticket. He, this is a very smart guy, a Ph.D., professor, brilliant man, data analyst. He says, do not buy a lottery ticket. We're going to get into that. And the sun is doing some interesting things, which may screw up all of our radio reception. We certainly hope not. But I'm going to tell mm. people what it's doing. Let's together go back to the phones. Tony in Clifton, New Jersey. Good morning, Tony. You're talking to Frank and Dominic. Hi, Frank and Dominic. So, Dominic, congrats, congrats, congrats on the double, double, double dip of Dominic. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to the cast of Matitis. Go right ahead, Tony. Uh, Listen, my favorite president on the war on drugs was George H.W. Bush. In 1989, he went to his first Oval Office TV appearance with a bag of crack cocaine. And he said, you know what? He, He said, this looks like powdery stuff that looks like candy he says this this is very bad for you he said and we're gonna we're gonna tell you you can't have this this is bad for you and we we are doing a war on drugs and that's that's how it continued and he was one of the presidents who poured in millions to prevent drug abuse and he got the police protection tony i i have to step in because we're completely out of time but i promise you We can continue your comment tomorrow. I'll be back at midnight. I'll see you folks in 24 hours, but keep it right there. News headlines and Frank Marano and the other side of midnight.